when that was produced in 1965 or 69, there was a great debate about that. You know what it was? Even then, could Scripture be be recited, read on television in a special? And they almost didn't have the special because of that reason. Aren't you glad that they did? It's a very great story. You know, it's funny. My, my topic tonight, the, my thought tonight, it happened, and we're going to hit exactly where we're going in Luke chapter 18 in just a few moments, is how easy it is to miss Christmas. How not to get it. Obviously, you know, Charlie Brown was so frustrated because all his friends just didn't get it and led him to cry out and say, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus, in his wisdom as a young child, said, yes, this is what's about. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he read from the, from the Christmas story in Luke and chapter 2. But you know, ever since the inception of Christmas, and maybe even before, in the plain stages as we've heard in Genesis and Exodus 20 and 12, and, and Isaiah 53 and, and Isaiah 7:14, and now in Galatians 4, you know, all through that, people have missed what Christmas really is all about. But we shouldn't feel too bad. Because I really don't think Mary got it either. I mean, she got some of it. She understood some of it. But they didn't get all of it. You know, I was thinking about Luke chapter 2. And this is now, this is 12 years after the first Christmas. 12 years after the first Christmas. And Luke chapter 2 and verse 45. um, Let me pick it up reading. They've taken Jesus to the temple and they lose him. They, they lose Jesus. They're heading back to, to town, you know, back to their home, and they start asking around, anybody seen Jesus? No one's seen Jesus. So they realize, oh, no, we've lost Jesus. And they run back, and they find him in the temple teaching Scripture. And here's what the Bible says in verse number 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have anxiously sought you. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And listen to the statement. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't quite understand, even though Mary knew that she had conceived the Son and Joseph understood that, they, that she was, he was the earthly father of the Son of God, they did not fully understand what Christmas was all about. They didn't understand that this now 12-year-old boy was in fact going to grow up and become the entire Savior of the world. So fast forward with me now to Luke chapter 18 and verse number 31. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there. And we see an amazing scripture 21 years later. Luke chapter 18, verse 31. The Bible says there, And he took the twelve aside. Now these twelve had been following the Lord Jesus Christ. They have seen wondrous, wondrous miracles happen to him. They, uh, to, through him, they had seen blind eyes open. They had seen deaf ears open. They had seen the dead to rise again. They had seen virtually everything. And they truly believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But listen, they missed it. Because in their mind, 
in their mind, they perceived that the Messiah would not be the suffering Messiah of Isaiah chapter 53, but rather he would be the overcoming Messiah. He would be the Messiah that would slowly overcome the Roman government. And Jesus, for the third time, tells them something. Here's what he says to them in verse number 31. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and we're not going up to Jerusalem to reign as king. We're going to Jerusalem, and all things that were written by the prophets, Isaiah 53, concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him, and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. For the third time, Jesus shares, Guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. And unlike you want, I'm going to die there. Because I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came because millennia ago, as my father and I planned with the Holy Spirit, we planned a story of redemption. And it involves me, the Son of God, willing to lay my life down and willing to die. And this went against everything they believed. It was so countercultural, much like the true story of Christmas is to our society. Society just doesn't understand. They just don't seem to get it. So they never heard the great truth. They never heard the great truth that on the third day, I'm going to rise again. That I'm going to be this powerful, conquering king by overcoming death. But they didn't hear that because their mind was so befuddled by the thoughts that he was going to die and they had left all and now they were going to be at risk of dying and losing everything that they had. And the Bible says something much like Mary and Joseph said. The Bible says in verse number 34, and they understood none of these things. This same was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Now, let me make something clear. I studied this because I want to make sure of what I was speaking tonight. This wasn't God blocking their vision. This wasn't God saying, you're not ready to receive this truth. It was a mental block. They simply refused to hear what Jesus Christ was saying. It was so catastrophic in the way they had planned the future for themselves. They simply closed their ears to hearing this truth. I remember a story, the movie Pearl Harbor, if you remember that movie. And, and when a, a soldier had died and two wives went to tell, their, tell her that the husband had died. And, and she saw him coming up and said, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no, no. I remember in Cobden, one afternoon, a fatal car accident. Twenty-seven-year-old daughter was killed. And as that mother received that news in that hospital, as her pastor and me standing there, I watched her crumble as she said, No, no, it can't be so. No, it can't be so. The truth was so hard to accept, they refused it entirely. And that's what the boys did. The truth is so hard for people to accept with Christmas, they refuse it. Mary and Joseph, the idea, the concept of Jesus being the Son of God and what that really meant was so big, and they didn't understand it. 
And the guys here just simply refused to understand what Jesus Christ was saying. And sure enough, you know what? In a few weeks, he went to Jerusalem. And they did arrest him. And they did scourge him. And they did spit on him. And they did crucify him. And he did lay his life down. Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea went to Pilate and said, we want this body. And they took the body and they laid that body in a tomb. And the, and the disciples scattered like sheep. Because their worst nightmare had become true. Jesus Christ, in fact, did die. It was over. And they were left with nothing. The, the concept of them being princes in a great kingdom suddenly vanished. And they ran for their lives. But then came what? Then came Sunday morning. Amen? Take your Bibles. Flip over a couple more chapters. Now just a, just, just a, just a 40 days. No, not even that long. Maybe just a few days. Luke chapter 24. Just a few days. Chapter 24, verse number 36. Jesus Christ now has resurrected. The disciples have yet to see Him. Mary had seen them. Seen Him. Now as they said these things, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. So certainly, when they saw the resurrected Savior, they said, Jesus, it's you, it's you. Did they? No, because they didn't get it. In fact, look what the Bible says. The Bible says that they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. That, in fact, they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you have doubts? Let these doubts arise in your hearts. Behold, look, look at my hands and look at my feet. That is, I. Touch me. Handle me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Do you have any food here? And they gave him a piece of boiled, broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Guys, do you remember the time we pulled aside and I told you these things? These are the things that I told you about. And watch, look at verse 45. And he opened their understanding. He took away the mental block. He took away the walls and took away the thing that was blocking the truth for them and let them begin to see the great reality that yes, he had died, but praise God, he had resurrected. He was the risen king. No, he was not going to be the king that would overcome the Roman government, but he was the king that overcome, had overcame sin. He was the king that overcame death. He was the king that overcame the grave. He was the eternal Lord and King. And this is amazing because it goes on and says this, verse 46, And he said to them, Thus it is written, and this is why it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Why? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
The greatest news ever is that Jesus Christ was born. He lived. He died and He resurrected that people like us can come into relationship with God. I don't know how you felt about what I said yesterday, but it was 100% scriptural that God wants to be our daddy. That doesn't take away His reverence. Please don't hear that. That doesn't mean I'm casual with Him, but I'm intimate with Him. And when I'm hurting and my life is falling apart, I have the right to crawl in my Father's lap, and He puts His arms around me, and He loves me. That's the greatest news ever. And that's what Lottie Moon's about. That's what Annie Armstrong's about. That's what the Illinois Baptist State Offering's about. That's what World Hunger's about. That's what Wednesday nights are about. That's what Back to School's about. That's what the Blessing Basket's about. That's what every time we gather in the big building or in this building, that's what it's all about. And may I read it again just in case you missed it? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And watch this. So he led them out as far as Bethany. He raised up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were constantly in the temple praising and blessing God. Can you even get a picture now of the resurrected one, Savior, the one that could eat fish? The, the one with a physical body that they could say, put your finger in the palms of my hand, Thomas, or in my side? That resurrected Savior, that reality, can you get your arms around that? Can you get your arms around the fact that as he led them out of Bethany, and he slowly arose out of their presence. All doubts are now vanished. They got it. The question now is this. Are we going to get it? Are we going to get it? Charlie Brown sure wrestled with it. Amen? His friends certainly wrestled with it. Mary and Joseph surely wrestled with the ramifications of him being the Son of God. Certainly the disciples multiple times wrestled with it. But they finally got the reality. Will we get that? If I could somehow help us to get this, if I could paint a picture, this is what it would look like in the Word. This is wonderful psalm tucked away. In Psalm 24, 7 and 8. John Phillips used to teach this. I used to love. He's now with the Lord. But he's a great Bible teacher. And he says that this scripture, these two verses I'm fixing to read to you, describes what it was like when Jesus Christ ascended back to the Father to return to heaven as the eternal King. Here's what it says. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. It's the gatekeeper. Hold on to the gatekeeper. Lift up your heads. Lift up the gate. And the King of glory shall come in. And the response then from the gatekeeper would be, Who is this King of glory? Who are you? And this is so powerful. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. 
You know why that's so appropriate? Dave, you know why that's so real? He had just won the greatest victory ever, defeating death for you and I. And I can't steal away the pain, Ruth, that you feel. The reality is that you're going to spend your Christmas with George not by your side. But you and I both know the reality that this man that you love is now in heaven. And as you trust Jesus and he trusted Jesus, you shall be together again in a place where I believe you will know George. You'll be married to him, but you'll know him. And each one of us have moms and dads and, and brothers and sisters who have gone on to glory. And because of the reply, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, because of that, because of that victory, we have hope today. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of help in this world. And one day, Unless the rapture happens, each one of us will be lying in a bed somewhere. And our heart will stop beating. And because of the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle, the eternal king, because of that, absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. As your pastor and as an individual, that is one of the greatest truths that we need to get. Amen? I looked out and I see some of these young parents out here. And the last thing you want to hear about is one day when your heart stops. I understand that. But the reality is, life and death is real. And the hope is, Jesus Christ, our eternal King. I want to invite you to bow your heads right there where you're at. Charlie Brown cries out, Can anyone tell me what Christmas is really about? And Linus gave her the truth. Mary and Joseph lose Jesus, return to the temple and find their 12-year-old son astonishing the, the teachers of the law there. And yet they didn't understand his statement. I must be about my father's business. The boys watched Jesus, the one they have followed for three years, open blinded eyes, open deaf ears, open graves. But they missed the fact he had to die. The truth was too hard, too difficult. But after the resurrection, he opened their understanding, and they got it. As we observe the Lord's Supper tonight, Jesus, hours before his death, gives us this occasion to remember. He tells us to, when we eat that bread in just a few minutes, I want you to remember something. That this is my body, and it was broken for who? Say for you. Say for you. Say for me. It was. Jesus died that we could come to relationship with the Father. He, he took our place on the cross. His body was broken, so our body wouldn't have to be broken. But then he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as we drink it, we are to drink it and remember him. The blood was spilt that our sins could be forgiven. Sing with me softly. What can wash 
away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And he spilt that blood Voluntarily, It wasn't a plan gone bad. He wasn't martyred. He wasn't murdered. He laid his life down for us. And, as we talked about last week, in so doing, experienced the wrath of his Father. He became the propitiation, the atonement, the appeaser for our sin. Now, with your envelope in your hand, I want you to begin thinking about either you've written or what you know in your heart would be written in this envelope. And I'm going to ask John or David in just a moment to start our video. And as it plays, when you're ready, when you're ready, just simply come up, um, lay the card around the manger here, go to either side and get your elements and return to your seat, and then we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. All right? And this is simply take a time to reflect, take a time to thank God for what He did. 2,100 years ago, and what he's doing today in our lives. Go ahead, John. I'd come forward and be at the tables now. Be a good time to do that. 